Evolutionists claim that man is just a higher class of animal, but the Bible tells us that we are wonderfully made. People and animals are not the same. But what separates us from them? Why are we special? Stay tuned. We do imitate the Creator, the God of the Bible. You can write a thesis on how humans are mimics of God. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. Evolutionists continue to propagate the lie that mankind evolved from animals. They say it's the survival of the fittest that got us where we are today. Furthermore, they contend that we're nothing more than a glorified ape. But Genesis 1.27 tells us differently. It says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Please join us for the next 15 minutes as we discuss the importance of being human. We'll focus on the differences between man and beast and the dwindling respect for human life in today's society. So, what are some things that separate us from animals? Well, first, let's consider some physical aspects with ICR molecular biologist Dr. Dan Criswell. Well, there are a lot of characteristics that separate humans from animals. Probably more importantly, the things that separate humans from chimpanzees or gorillas would be more interesting to most people. Some of those physical characteristics would be the size of teeth in the jaw of humans is much smaller than it is in chimpanzees. The shape of the jaw is different. It's parabolic in humans and it's U-shaped in chimpanzees so that the teeth in each of their jaws are parallel to each other. Humans have a different shaped pelvis and that's to support the organs in the pelvic cavity when a person walks upright, which people do all the time. Apes such as chimpanzees and gorillas lack that bowl-shaped pelvis because they spend most of their time walking on all fours. So there are some definite physical characteristics that you would be able to identify if all you had were pieces of the skeleton. You could identify, for the most part, which pieces belong to a chimpanzee or which skeletal pieces belong to a human being. Not only are man and animals different in a bodily fashion, there's also a world of difference when it comes to communication. Dr. David Menton, Professor Emeritus at Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis, Missouri, says God created humans with a unique gift of communication. Animals respond to words. I have a dog that's very, very clever. In fact, he was once ranked first in the nation in obedience competition in his particular class. And so that means there aren't very many more <laughs> obedient animals around uh, that are able to respond to both verbal commands and hand signals. But this is nowhere comparable to the kind of communication that we can have with one another. I can't discuss things with my dog. I can't say, look, you're not up to yourself today. Perhaps we should wait until tomorrow with your training. What do you think? Nothing remotely like that. Sit, stay, <laughs> come. <laughs> These are the words my dog understands. So communication is absolutely unique to man, and it's just built right into us. We're, we're born with the ability to learn to communicate and be communicated with. Along with communication, people have reasoning and understanding and are able to make choices. Dr. John Wilkie is a physician and president of Life Issues Institute in Cincinnati, Ohio. He says animals do not possess these abilities. 
we've got something inside of our heads that is unique and totally different from any animal. We have intellect and we have free will. An animal has instinct. A mother will defend her cubs, for instance. And she will do that, however, simply because that's hardwired into her as a, in that case, a mother bear. For us, there is a certain amount of that. There's no question. However, a woman can override that. She has free will. If she wants to, she can even kill her own child after birth, and certainly, as we know, many kill their children before birth. Now, free will means that we can go one way or the other. Animals cannot. The other thing that we have is intellect. We can reason. We can look back. We can look ahead. We can calculate. The animal cannot do that. And so, why are we this different? We're different because God made us this way. Dr. Benton says, being specifically and uniquely designed by God as human beings is what truly separates us from the animals. Well, I think the most important difference between man and all other living things, we can learn only from the scriptures. It's not something we would figure out apart from the revealed Word of God, and that is that we were created in God's image. And because God has created us in His likeness, Dr. Criswell says there are some parallels between God and man. We do imitate the Creator, the God of the Bible. You could write a thesis on how humans are mimics of God. Obviously, God is a Creator. Man does a lot of creating. Obviously, not from nothing, is to have materials to work with. But man is certainly capable of imagining things that aren't in existence and creating something that hasn't ever been seen before. And he makes all kinds of gadgets and tools and transportation for his use. So he's quite different. Man also is told to forgive. God is a forgiving God. That's another characteristic. Man has emotions, we read in the Bible that God loves, hates, and even is jealous. So those would be some qualities that man would share with God. However, animals lack the characteristics that God has chosen to share with mankind. We don't see the creativity in the animal kingdom that man has. We certainly don't see the behavior of forgiveness. I don't know how you would even begin to document that for an animal. It could be argued that animals have emotions, and that's probably true to some extent. Although I would say that an animal is not capable of loving somebody unconditionally, like man is. The behavior in an animal would be based on some stimulus, some conditioned response. You don't see those qualities in animals. Since we are created in God's likeness and are not merely a higher class of animal, how should we, as a society, treat our weakest members? Well, unfortunately, we see the respect for human life dwindling as less and less importance is being placed on the value of life. Consider how the sick and elderly are not always protected by society, but are often judged according to the quality of their lives. Dr. Criswell. Our value is based on 
a person's quality of life and what they can contribute to society. That's what our American society is now putting on human life. What's going to be the potential quality of life for that individual and how are they going to be able to contribute to society? However, this evolutionary way of assessing life does not match what we are taught in Scripture about the worth of a human being. There isn't any difference to God in the value of a person based on what their contribution can be to society. I think Colossians 3.11 is the verse that says there's no Jew or Greek, slave or Scythian, male or female. There's no difference. I think in Acts it also says that God is no respecter of persons. Not to mention you have Exodus 21 that talks about the consequences of killing an unborn child. So the Bible is full of references that would indicate that God's value of man is not based on what their quality of life may be or what contribution they can make to society. What about the unborn? How should they be viewed? Pro-abortion advocates claim the unborn child isn't a human being at all. But Dr. Wilkie says, medically speaking, this is wrong. This baby is human. At the very first cell stage, human, yes, 46 human chromosomes in every cell. At that first cell stage, we are sexed. That is, we have X and Y chromosomes. We're either male or female. And furthermore, at that first cell stage, we are complete. For nothing is added to the single cell, that fertilized egg, who you once were. Nothing has been added except nutrition and oxygen. For contained within that single cell was an entire human body, was you. All you have done since that time has been to grow up and the petals of the flower who you are have simply unfolded. They were all there at the beginning. So, is this a living human, male or female, complete, intact? And the answer is yes, 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 yes. Not only is an unborn child a person, medically speaking, but in the eyes of our Heavenly Father, that baby is a precious soul. Dr. Menton. What we're really talking about is not just simply living tissue. After all, the womb itself is alive. So are our hair follicles and our toes and our nose is alive. But what we're really asking is then, when does a person begin in the womb? And here, once again, I would look to the Word of God to define a person for us. And I would say that a person is someone known to God, somebody with a soul and if we then go to the scriptures to see whether that baby that's developing in the womb, that fetus, after three months of development, we call it a fetus, and before that it's an embryo, but it's still a baby. And we see that from Psalm 139, verse 13 to 16. So we see that God places great value on human life, no matter how young or old. However, the physical life we know is just a part of God's plan for mankind. Dr. Criswell. The history of man, I think, is pretty simple. He was created to have fellowship with God. He broke that fellowship by being disobedient with God. God is going to judge that disobedience. But God himself has provided the means of salvation. And the provision for salvation was made when God's beloved Son, Jesus Christ, died to pay the penalty for man's sin and then rose again from the dead. But while the gift of salvation is open to all, God will not force anyone to receive it. We have the right to choose 
whether we want to accept that provision for salvation or reject it. That explains a lot about what makes us human, the decision we've made concerning God's plan of salvation. So those that accept that plan of salvation live forever in the presence of God, which has been described by the Bible as being a pretty neat place. Far better than anything that's ever been experienced here, and that's obviously an understatement. And those who reject that plan of salvation have chosen for themselves to exist for eternity, not in the presence of God, which is described in Scripture as being a pretty awful place. We frequently call it hell. And God has provided the means of salvation. All we have to do is make the choice. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.